Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today I'm with my co-host, Jack Vandemotter. Welcome to the show, Jack. What's good? What's good? Just talking a little NBA today, a little Baker Mayfield. Glad to be here. All right, so let's get it off. This episode is also sponsored by our new sponsor, Manscaped. Thank you guys for sponsoring us. So, Jack, let's get into the NBA. The NBA is officially back. So, well, the proposal was accepted, right? So, so season starts July 31st, so we still got a ways to go before the season starts. Um, so, it's still going to give some time to kind of for the whole COVID-19 thing to wash over and everything that's going on right now. But there was it was accepted, 22 teams. Uh, both both the NBA front office and the NBA Players Association accepted it, so it'll be in motion now. And it's kind of interesting how they did it. Like I think one thing that you have to understand, whether you like it or not, is that like it's not going to be perfect. Um, but you know, there's 13 teams from the West, nine from the East. Um, unfortunately, the Cavs are not going to be one of those 22 teams that make it and are going to play. So we're, their season is over. Yeah, so the Cavs obviously didn't qualify. We have the second-worst record in the league, so that just didn't make the cut for them. But they'll be in a good position for a really high draft pick, but we'll talk about that later. So the season will officially start July 31st in Orlando. They'll be playing at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Disney World. One of the worst parts about it is that the families cannot go on the rides at Disney World, Jack. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge kind of key overlooked component in this is like these NBA players they're human they want to go on these Disney rides and they're just not going to be able to all jokes aside though the players are kind of going to be locked up in this hotel all 22 teams are staying in one hotel jack and they can barely leave they're discussing having their families come but the teams really have to stay there and I mean it's going to be a cool hotel because you'll have some of the best NBA players there all at one time but it's going to be tough, and they're going to have to actually sacrifice a lot to make this work. Right. I mean, there's a ton of sacrifices being made, and like you said, it's going to be tough because these are grown NBA men. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're trying to tell them, oh, you can't go out, you can't hang out with people. It's going to be tough, um, especially for some people to accept it. But And it when is. the season could go from August to October. Right. They could be there for two full months. But it is what it is. I think especially for players like LeBron who have a good shot at winning a championship – I don't think it's going to be a problem for, for them. It's more so like your Damian Lillards and all the teams that are right on the cusp who, you know, are big name players but might not, probably won't be, or, or at least could potentially not even be in the playoffs and they're risking their health and everything and their, you know, families and everything like that. Yeah, so they'll be getting checked every day for coronavirus too, but I mean, it will be tough. They said they won't shut down the whole league if one person gets it. But if like a whole team got it and stuff, they don't really have that discuss. So it could come to an end abruptly if something else happens, Jack. So yeah, before we get into like some of the important dates, I want to ask up to your point, like what are your thoughts on on this proposal overall? Like how is this? How do you think uh, Adam Silver did with this? I honestly think Adam Silver and Chris Paul, who's the president of the NBA Players Association, did a fantastic job. They're the first league to actually go back into motion. The MLB has still yet to do anything, which is really sad because the MLB has kind of been under the spotlight of the NBA and NFL in the past years, and it's been losing that popularity, and they had a chance to go back into the spotlight and be the only sport and get all those fans back, but they failed to do that. But let me get back on point, Jack. 
the NBA has done a terrific job, I think. They're actually doing this. They actually have the players getting paid their salaries. Obviously, not the full salaries, but they're doing it. They're going to play. They're going to have an NBA Finals, and they have all of their dates set up for the later events that they always have every year. Yeah, I agree. You know, the NBA, like, I, I you know, even a couple weeks ago, I thought there's there no chance that the NBA would play again. I thought they should just call it a wash and move on. However, you know, they like kind of the NFL did with their with the NFL draft. I think the NBA has done a really good job of trying to get sports back out there. I will say though it is risky because if if there was a breakout, right, and and they had to shut it down again, it would look pretty bad because you're, you know, you're restarting through, your league, you're doing you're all rest- of this. Right, you're going completely over, you're risking health of players and I'm not going to get into it too deep, but I over, overall, I like it. I think the 22 teams is smart. It's a little a little bit gimmicky, but you, uh, like I said earlier, it's not going to be perfect. You know, by by only bringing 22 teams, you're, you're limiting, you know, potential. You know, like the Cavs are not going to make the playoffs, right? So you're limiting any of the Cavs players bringing anything in. And overall, I think it's a good way to get sports back on and still give these players like LeBron, uh, whose clock is ticking, an opportunity to win a championship and bolster their legacy. So I think it is a good job by Adam Silver. Yeah, he, he did a terrific job. So anyways, they come back July 31st, but they'll have about a two-week preseason to practice and get back in shape. And then they'll play through it. After, I think it's 16 games, they'll go into a, a playoffs. But um, So they'll have a regular finals. It'll be a seven-game series. It'll go seven games if it need to be, obviously, and the latest date for that would be October 12th, so finishing October 12th. So going back to the training and everything, Jack, do you think these teams will be back to like a somewhat regular chemistry or these guys will be in shape? That's a good question. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I, there's no doubt like these guys have been working out through this entire quarantine, and, and if you haven't, I think it'll show for sure. Um, but... It's going to take some time. I mean, I do. There's no doubt two things. One, you know, the fact that they've been off for so long, and two, the fact that there will be no fans there. It's going to be weird, and I'm sure it'll have an effect on the, the, the players and how these games turn out. Another point to that is kind of how's the NBA going to handle, like, home court, for example? Like, there's no team's going to have a home court advantage because they're all playing at the exact same place. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. How it's gonna work? Maybe they'll get some like audio clapping on the scoreboard for when they score, and some <laughs> boos for the other team or something yeah, like that. But yeah, one interesting thing that I've been seeing is one benefit to this for players who got injured is they can come back. Guys who thought they were done for the season, they could be back. And one person in particular that will be really fun to watch is Kevin Durant because actually a year ago today was when he tore his Achilles in the finals, Jack. So people are asking him. Do you think you'll come back and do you think you'll play? Because usually Achilles takes 10 to 12 months. It depends on the severity of the injury, obviously, too. But if he's healthy, he could come back. They're saying he won't come back, but obviously he knows his body the best. And if the Nets make it to the playoffs, who's going to tell him not to come back, Jack? That's a good point. I think Kevin Durant did come out and say, like, I forget how long ago it was, but he said that he's not coming back this season. But I agree with your point. Like, if the Nets are in the playoffs and he's you know, healthy, healthy and, and capable of playing. It's it's a tough decision. Like, I mean, I mean, you really got to play it kind of by ear. 
in, in that case, I think. it's It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, the other thing to that point is, like, the season doesn't start until July 31st. Like, we still have well over a month before the season We have starts. two months. It's, almost, it's yeah, June almost, 5th. Almost right? two months, right? So, like, you know, if Kevin Durant's good to go, for example, or any other player for that matter, it's going to be tough to kind of, you know, be yeah. on the bench when you're healthy while your team's in the playoffs. Right, then the Nets make a playoff run, and it's mid-September. I don't see why he couldn't come back, Jack. Right. So one more question I want to ask you before we get into the Cavs season recap and some important dates is if, you know, with this season being shortened, obviously, is there going to be an asterisk by the championship winners? Like, is it is the is the championship going to come with a with a asterisk? Yeah, I definitely think there will be an asterisk. It's not a full season. People are not going to take it in a full way you know like they're just not going to take it super seriously there's obviously going to be a full playoffs a full legit playoffs but people aren't going to take this seriously they're going to be like teams had time off they had time to heal they had time to rest they had time to get stronger this usually doesn't happen which obviously doesn't i will not take it with an asterisk but i definitely know other people will yeah i kind of have to i i mean i agree with the last thing you said and that you won't take it with an asterisk i have to kind of disagree with you though in that I mean, I don't think there should be an asterisk next to this because, like, the, when the NBA, the the Miami Heat, I think LeBron's, I, I forget if it was his first or second title, one of those seasons was a shortened season, and nobody talks about that. Obviously, these are different circumstances, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're playing, like, all right, for example, the if the Lakers and Bucks are in the championship, right, like, mm-hmm. that's not going to... That was gonna happen either way, right? So like, I, or like you the know, Clippers and the right, Bucks, the Clipper, or the like, Clippers and right, the Celtics. My point, my point being like the the, I don't know, the Orlando Magic who are still playing are not. They were never even if they make the playoffs, they're not gonna make the, the finals. And even if COVID didn't happen, they're not gonna make the finals. So my point is like, regardless of the shortened regular season, like these playoffs are still gonna be completely legit. And at the end of the day, it's still an NBA championship. A ring's a ring. A ring's a ring. But we have to face it. There's always going to be those people who hate and all, like, just shut it down. They're going to not accept it. So let's move on to our important dates, Jack. So the NBA draft lottery is August 25th, which is in the middle of, like, the postseason for the NBA, which is going to be a little weird. It's going to be a little weird, but, like... It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch, especially as Cavs fans, because we're not going to be, you know, like, we might watch the NBA because it's going to be sports and everything, but... Obviously, the Cavs are not going to be in it, so this is probably might even be a bigger deal for the for the Cavs, the the NBA draft lottery on August twenty fifth. Right. So then, the NBA draft will be October fifteenth. That's three days after the possible ending of the NBA, and then free agency opens three days after that on October eighteenth, and then the NBA will start up their preseason in November. And then start their regular season December 1st. So it will be another shortened season. They'll end at the regular time. So the NBA players could go play in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, which is pretty cool. I think, like like you said, I think the NBA did a really good job with this. It's going to be weird how all these dates are switched. It might throw some players off. But ultimately, you know, if everything goes to plan... You finish your season. Right, you finish your season, you get some sports back, and you get everything you wanted to get done. Uh, completed at the end of the day so all right jack you want to move to the Cavs? yeah so a little bit more Cavs specific here um the Cavs just obviously ended their 50th season 
in the NBA. Obviously, it's not how you wanted to end the 50th season, but ultimately they finished with the second worst record in the NBA behind our favorite team, the Golden State Warriors. Which is bizarre to think about. I know, it's crazy. So, so I just want to, what are your kind of thoughts on how the season ended and how some of our players performed? So yes, the Cavs did end with the second worst record in the league, which could benefit us in the long run because we will get a high draft pick, hopefully, if the lottery doesn't right, right. Uh, do us bad again. But the Cavs really finished the season on an upturn. J.B. Bickerstaff did a tremendous job, I think, with the Cavs. It was a lot better than what John Beeline did. And the Cavs had a lot of players play well then, especially Colin Sexton. And then they went out and got Andre Drummond at the trade deadline, who is also a fantastic player. So you brought up a good point about Drummond. I think that was a good trade. They're looking to retain him. He hasn't accepted his player option, but everyone thinks that he will accept it. He's expressed his, you know, his want to be in Cleveland, I think, for at least a little bit longer. Liking his teammates and the coaching staff, too. Right. I think it was a good fit. He really embraced the city, and I, I'm excited to see, you know, with the potential addition of a, of a top pick, if this team could maybe be closer to winning than everyone thinks. Yeah, so if you keep drumming, Colin Sexton keeps improving. Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr. keep improving. You have Kevin Love. The Cavs could make a push next year for the playoffs. And, so, and yeah. Dylan Windler, too. Yeah, you get—well, we'll talk more a little bit more about him later, but you get Dylan Windler back, too, who's a tall, lengthy player, who's an outside threat, who can score. He was great at Belmont. But anyways, more so, more so the Cavs finished with the second-worst record. So they could potentially get a top three pick. They have a good chance of getting a top three pick with the new lottery rules now. You could go out and add someone like James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. So you get more firepower. You get more star power. The Cavs could make a playoff run next year, Jack. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they could, especially if their rookie hits. However, I still think they're a year away at least. With that said, though, you made a good point. Like, and we're not going to get into the NBA lottery today. That'll be for a later episode. But, like, I, I honestly am pulling for like a James Wiseman or an Anthony Edwards, and I'm hoping that we get a top pick because I think that could really help out this team a lot. Push us over that edge, and we lack we lack in some of those areas. Like, for example, James James Wiseman would really help give us an athletic big man who we kind of don't really have right now. Yeah, just imagine partnering up. Wiseman, Drummond, and Love. You wouldn't have to play Wiseman a ton his rookie year, but to develop into that role. But let's leave that a little bit behind. Like you said, it will be for next episode. Let's talk about more young players like Colin Sexton, Jack. He had a tremendous year. So Colin Sexton's a very polarizing player. I think people like him or they don't. Um, Colin Sexton, he, he... His stats look pretty good, averaging 20.8 points per game, 33.1 rebounds, and three assists. You know, Colin Sexton, he lacks a little bit on the defensive end, and there's certain things you'd like to see him do better as a point guard. However, his 20.8 points a game cannot be overlooked, and I think he's a very underrated player in the NBA. Right. I... I've been a huge supporter of Colin Sexton from the start of his rookie campaign till now. People have always said he's a bench player and stuff. I've called them out. I've told them that they're wrong. I don't think he's a bench player. I think he's a starter. I think he could even develop into a great, great player. He averaged 30 points in March before it ended. Obviously, it was only like 12 
days of playing, but every game it just seemed like he got better, Jack. Yeah, so that I mean that's the so I'm gonna bring up two points too because so you're right. So every game he got better and his work ethic is something that is unmatched. I right, it's, it's unmatched. unmatched. And you look at like any player like Melvin Gordon or in, in any sport, like if you have a serious work ethic, Jalen Hurts for that matter, he, he worked himself into a second round pick. Like if you if you work hard enough, you will find success. And in Colin Sexton, you know, additionally with the work ethic, has some talent. I will say though, you know, Colin Sexton, it's tough because will he ever? I think the people who I agree with you, I think he's a starter. But will he ever become into you know develop into like a leader who can actually carry this team to wins? I I definitely think he could. I don't think it's going to be right now. I don't think the Cavs expected it to be right now. I think the people who expected him to be some NBA All Pro are knowing that they're wrong now. Just because I mean, like, why would you expect that out of the number seven pick in the NBA? You know, like it's it's not a realistic expectation for him. But it is a realistic expectation to think that he could grow into something like that. Yeah, I mean. I, I honestly think when I think of Colin Sexton, I love him, but I think of him a lot like Zach Levine or like Devin Booker, who puts up these ridiculous stats, but like honestly, their teams kind of suck, right? And like, and not I'm not shitting on Colin Sexton here, but like Colin Sexton definitely needs like I love what I've seen out of him, and he like you said he's improved every game, but there's definitely things I would like to see him do better. The assists as a true point guard, could definitely go up, and they were going up a little bit. However, I just I think it'll be interesting to see what Colin Sexton can do in his third year, and with a, with a good supporting cast, too. So talking about the supporting cast, there's always been those rumors of trading Kevin Lovejack. Do you think the Cavs will retain him after this offseason? This is the age-old question, and I think, honestly, the problem with trading Kevin Love if you don't already know this, is like he doesn't get much trade value. Like teams aren't going to give up a lot to get Kevin Love because they know what he is, just like the Cavs know what he is. Like, and I think the Cavs, for example, like he's, he, the Cavs feel like he's more valuable to the team than what people are offering. And I think that's the biggest problem with whether Kevin Love is here or not. Yeah, so Kobe Altman wanted to get a first-round pick in exchange for him, but teams wanted the Cavs to give them a first-round pick with Kevin Love, (laughs) which is is kind of funny. Kevin Love is probably a great team leader. He seems like one. But his contract is massive. It goes up every year from... 28 million to 29 million to 30 million and that's for four years so he has this huge contract and he's also had some injury problems which definitely sucks but i don't think the Cavs will end up trading kevin love i think that they'll keep him and that he could help this team win the only way that i could see them trading him is that maybe you do go out and you get a James Wiseman in the draft and you have a loaded front court because you sign Larry Nance to that extension. You get Andre Drummond back. It, it would be too many guys and guys wouldn't be able to play to the full potential of that front court was that stack, Jack. Yeah, you, you do have to ask yourself the question if it's just worth letting him go. You know, I, I expect Kevin Love to be back next year because, like you said, he's a good leader. In a, in a, I mean, I think we're undervaluing like his impact on the court a little bit like look he's not gonna carry you to wins but he's still not a 
terrible player by any means. He could put up 20 and 15 on any given night. Exactly. So it's a tough question. I think Kevin Love will be back on the Cavs next year, but it's not, not a sexy player by any means. Well, I mean, a lot of ladies seem to think he's quite <laughs> sexy. But all right, moving on to more cast around uh, Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. Our rookies, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., and Dylan Windler. So, Jack, do you want to start off with Darius Garland? Yes, Darius Garland's a guy that a lot of people seem to like. You know, the numbers weren't quite there. I mean, 12 points, one rebound, and three assists. You know, it's there's room for improvement, and there's room to build off that. I don't think it was a, a you know, like nobody's calling him a bust right now. However, he definitely didn't light up the league like a lot of the guys that went before him. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how he pans out. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things in Darius, Gar- in Darius Garland's defense. First off, like, this is his first full year back. He basically missed everything at Vanderbilt. He played, like, four games, and then his only playing before that was, like, AAU in high school. He d- had a dysfunctional coaching staff to start off the year with John Beeline and all of that stuff. And then also, it's obviously not Colin Sexton's fault. But they were sharing that backcourt, and there were those problems of, oh, who's this point guard and all of that stuff, you know? So, like, that's not easy for a rookie to come in and try to go over all those obstacles. But like you said, those aren't the hottest numbers, Jack. He only shot 35% from three, and the Cavs loved him because apparently he made every single shot in his workout with them pre-draft. So I'm just looking for him to come, be more consistent with his shooting. And I, I was showing you earlier, Jack, how he only had... He only averaged 1.2 free throw attempts per game. I would like to see him drive to the basket more and get those up. That's the thing, to your point, like, to see him drive to the basket, I think he's a guy that, like, he's not grown. Like, he's still small amongst the NBA mm-hmm. players. Like, he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger and faster. And, you know, I Darius Garland's a project. I mean, I think the Cavs knew that drafting him because he only played four four so games, right? Like, he's not going to come in and light the league on fire. But like you said, the shooting, if he can get the shooting right, if he can get, you know, the the handling right, I mean, he definitely has the talent to become a good player. But like you said, it'll be interesting to see how this backcourt shakes out because you really got two point guards here. Yeah, but he definitely has the potential there. And someone who kind of also lit up the scene for the Cavs this year was Kevin Porter Jr., Jack. So... I would say he definitely had a more productive year than Darius Garland, even though the numbers right. were quite similar. It was it was good because the Cavs did trade up for him in the first round to go grab him, and he was our third first rounder, which is kind of crazy. We traded four second rounders for him and a $5 million trade exception, but he averaged 10 points, three rebounds, and two assists. He is super athletic. You know, I think the reason people are so much higher on him maybe than Garland. I don't want to say that much higher, but like he definitely seemed to have made a bigger impact. But then when you look at the numbers, like they're actually arguably worse. However, you know, the one thing you, I think the biggest thing you have to look at is where they were drafted. Like Darius Garland was what the fifth overall pick uh and Kevin Porter Jr. was the 30th. So like the value to get a, to get a guy at the 30th overall pick that's putting up, you know, 10, 3 and 2. 3 and 2, and is making in a bigger impact than what those an numbers show. Immediate impact, right. Like, it's it's definitely good. I think he's a, I think he could really develop as well. Like, I think a lot of these Cavs players 
had a lot of room to grow. Right, and like I said earlier, he has great athleticism and great versatility. And speaking on someone who will have a lot of versatility this upcoming year for the Cavs is Dylan Windler. So he was also picked in the first round for the Cavs. He was in between Garland and Porter Jr., but he was out most of the year with an injury. Yeah, so Dylan Windler missed just about all of the year except for the you know the preseason with injury. He was very good in college. And I, the, the biggest thing, the one thing I was kind of disappointed about when Beeline resigned is like I think Windler would have done really well with Beeline as a longer-term coach because Windler's t- that type of player who, look, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's got a great range. He's going to be a three-point shooter, kind of a 3-and-D type player. And like, like you said, at Belmont, he put up some great numbers. Yeah, in his senior year at Belmont, he had 21 points a game. He played all four seasons there, and he is a bigger sort of rebounding guy too. He had 10 rebounds a game his senior year, so he is good on the boards, and he's a good shooter. And he's 6'6", so you could put him at small forward. You could put him at shooting guard. I think he brings a lot of versatility to this team. He kind of lit it up in the uh, summer league too. He was hitting these deep threes, and people are going nuts. He was on like Bleach Report and stuff too, which is crazy to see like a Cavs player get on that. But I definitely think that having him back next year will definitely help. It will add another player off the bench that can score, that can light it up, that can get some rebounds. And I just think it will just help the Cavs more in the long run. Yeah, so we definitely have a lot of room or a lot of you know area to be excited about. I think this team in, in a year or two could be pretty, pretty dang good. Real quick, I want to talk about some free agents. You know, Tristan Thompson and... Matthew Dellavedova, Ante Zizic, Dean Wade, and Matt Mooney are all free agents for the Cavs. What do you expect to happen with some of those guys? I don't see any of them coming back, Jack. <laughs> to be honest with you, the only one that I could really see them bringing back is Tristan Thompson. And I think one TT will kind of demand too much money. And we already have that packed front court. I love Tristan Thompson. I really, really came to love him this year. Like, Great leader, great presence in the locker room. He plays tenaciously, like we've said over all of these years. He has that heart. He has that effort. But I just don't think the Cavs will bring him back. I kind of agree with you. I don't think any of these guys will really be back. Tristan, obviously, is the guy that I would want most back. And I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if he's going to be back. But he's a guy that's going to get a lot of attention from other teams because of his rebounding ability. And is probably going to off, uh, demand a little bit more money than the Cavs are willing to pay him. You know, Tristan Thompson's been great, but I think it might be best for both sides if he was to move on, with especially if we were to draft a guy like James Wiseman. But we'll see. Right. All right. So before we move on to our next section of this podcast, we have a message from our sponsor. So support from the Hottest Take Sports podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. So guys, we're really thankful for Manscaped, and you should really go check out their website and all of their products. Yeah, so we made, um, we made a video the other, other day on our Twitter kind of highlighting what, what we, they sent us, and I've already been able to use a lot of the stuff, and it's, it's been great. I, I really hope you guys can help support us a little bit. Use code by using code HTSP in the Manscaped shop. Checking out, you get twenty percent off and free shipping uh, at manscaped.com. 
and that just helps us out. You can buy anything. You can buy something, a $5 shaving mat or boxers. Their boxers are really nice. So again, that code is HTSP. Use it at the checkout at manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. It's a great deal. And we hope you can help support us. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully you guys can help out and let's jump back in. So our last talking point for today is Baker Mayfield. So recently on the morning show, Get Up, they were talking about Baker and Rob Ninkovich and one other newscaster did a ranking of the AFC North quarterbacks. And they both ranked Baker as last, the fourth worst or the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North. So, Jack, do you want to give your thoughts on that? I mean, okay. <laughs> like, are we not going to act like one of these quarterbacks is a literal rookie who has not played a single snap yet? Like, people are so off Baker Mayfield right now, and the Browns in general, like Odell Beckham Jr. I just saw on Instagram, like, someone ranks Stephon Diggs over Odell Beckham Jr. Like, it's just hilarious to me. So, so Rob Ninkovich, just for some context, ranked... Lamar Jackson, one. Ben Roethlisberger, two. Joe Burrow, three. Baker Mayfield, four. Look, there's no doubt that there's some very legitimate competition. And I frankly love Joe Burrow coming out of LSU. However, to And we rank- like Lamar Jackson, too. <laughs> like, we know he's, like, an MVP caliber player. Right, but to rank a guy who's never played in the NFL over Baker, who literally said... Like, at this time last year, everybody was all over Baker. On the Baker, Baker. train. They're on the Baker right. train. Right, yeah. And if you watch the video, Rob Ninkovich literally gives zero context into why Baker is number four. He first off states that Baker has all of the weapons that he needs. But that, that's not a good excuse. Did you talk about Freddie Kitchen? Did you talk about the play calling? Did you talk about Odell Beckham Jr. being injured? There was no Did context. Did you talk about the offensive line, which was one of the worst in the league? Yeah, it was like 28th according to PFF. Like, he literally gave no context into it. It would, I mean, this guy calls himself an NFL analyst, but obviously he didn't even watch or listen or read about the Browns. No, I think that's the biggest thing is people that people that are hating on the Browns and Baker really aren't. They obviously didn't watch many Browns games last season because they don't realize everything that's happened. And look, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Baker because right. obviously he didn't have that, a great season. Some of that was on him, 100%. Um, but I think people like people fading the Browns right now are going to be very wrong next season because, look, I'm not going to talk about it too because I don't want a repeat of last season. But like Baker is completely focused. I think if there's anybody on this team that wants to put last season behind him more, it's, it's Baker Mayfield. Right. The Browns have brought in everything, everything that he needs. They've brought in a system with Kevin Stefanski that he can thrive under. They've fixed the offensive line so he won't get sacked. They brought in even more weapons for him so he can flourish in this offense. And like you said, there's not one person who wants to get past last season more than Baker. And part of that is due to everyone hating on him. And Last year, all of these reporters and newscasters and everything were saying how he needs to shut his mouth and stop talking and stop being so cocky. But Jack, what was Max Kellerman just saying on first take? Right, so Kellerman, and back to the point of like the media flip-flopping, he was just saying that Baker needs to stay loud and cocky. And it's just... It's funny because like they're, they're just being hypocrites. They're, they're going back and 
it's the media that's driving the hate for Baker Mayfield, and then at the end of the day, they're then they're like turning around and trying to defend him, and it's like, dude, like. Pick a side. I think the best thing for Baker to do is just keep blocking all of these haters out and staying quiet, staying humble, and just putting in that work. Kevin Stefanski said the one thing that required that is required in Cleveland is output. Like you gotta produce. Like work is welcome. Output is required. That's what he said. So it'll be fun to see. I just really hope that these people don't get in Baker's head. I don't think they will. But that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing is like you saw with Colin Cowherd last year, like I think Baker really bought into the hype, and I think that's something that is going to change this year. I think he's going to be much more poised and ready to go. Before we wrap things up, how would you rank the four quarterbacks in the AFC North? So first off, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I don't know how you couldn't put him at number one. He won MVP last year. At two, I would put Baker because, one, Ben Roethlisberger did not play last season. And two, Joe Burrow has not played an NFL snap. So Baker goes at two, then I put Roethlisberger at three. I put him over Burrow because I know Burrow has immense potential. I think he's going to be a great NFL player. But then again, he just hasn't played, and the Bengals aren't a great team. They have improved. They have built up their line and their team and their offense so Burrow can kind of flourish. But still, he hasn't played. I don't see him being at three. I I put him at four right now just because he hasn't done anything yet. You got to prove yourself. Yeah, um, you know, if if we're talking about predictions and what I think these rankings are going to be at this time next year, I would one hundred percent agree with you. In your rankings, however, I can't put Baker ahead of Big Ben just yet, just because of obviously his struggles last season, and then on top of that, look, Big Ben didn't play last season, but we all know that he's a fantastic NFL quarterback. I think it would be a little bit biased of me to put Baker ahead of him right now. However, I do agree that I think ultimately at this time next year, I would not be surprised in the least if Baker was a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. All right. Well, we'll see it all play out. Hopefully Baker can go and prove all of those people wrong, Jack. Yeah. I mean, like you said, talk talk at this point just doesn't do much, and output is what is really going to shut these people up. So, All right. So I think that's actually going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you so much, Jack, for coming on the show. Absolutely. And quick shout out to Manscapes again, HTSP in the, in the checkout. And they, get 20% off your order. Right. They've been a huge, huge help. Super exciting for us to partner up with someone finally. And uh, if you could help us out, that'd be huge. I'm glad to be on. And I think that was a pretty good episode. It was great. And thank you to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beat on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Also, make sure you go give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.